I'm so glad that uh, you'll get to join us this morning, gather together for the, this first Sunday of 2022. Um, again, my name is Pastor Blake. Uh, again, one of your pastors here uh, at the Refuge, and it's my joy to be able to, to preach this morning on our first Sunday, which I was actually looking back at. Somehow, Scott has stuck me with preaching the first Sunday of the last several years. I'm starting to see a pattern, okay? So I don't know what he's doing or anything. I, I do know what he's doing, but it's, uh, again, it's my, it's my joy to be able to preach with you guys uh, this morning. So um, if you can, go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be um, in our Bibles a lot today. So, um, so here's what I need you all to do. You have, everyone have their Bibles ready, right? By the way, if you need one, uh, we have some uh, that we can give to you. Just ask a blue shirt and get one for you. Uh, but here's what, we're going to be moving around quite a bit in Scripture today. Good way to start out the new year, spending time in Scripture, amen? So here's what I need you to do. Everyone give me some of these. We're going to stretch out. We're going to make sure our fingers are nice and, lib- uh, nice and limber. Give me some of these. Give me some jazz fingers. Give me some thumbs, some fingers. Here we go. All right, is everyone limbered up? Here we go, because we are going to be in Scripture today. It's going to feel good. We're going to skip around quite a bit, but it's going to be good, okay? So everyone's hands are nice and warm. Uh, even though with the sleet, we can hear falling on the ceiling. Uh, I'm glad we're uh, ready to go. So, uh, but today is the first, day of, uh, first Sunday of the new year. So I know that typically during this uh, first year, uh, first couple of days of the year, all of us have New Year's what? Resolutions, right? So raise a hand if you have a New Year's resolution. We've got a couple. So anyone brave enough to shout them out? What, what are some New Year's resolutions out there? More, more uh, reading the Bible more, is that what we said? Read through the Bible. Okay, that's a, that's a great one. By the way, speaking of that, uh, we actually did start a reading plan for a refuge family. We're going to be reading through just the New Testament this year uh, to kind of slow down a little bit and savor all the goodness God has for us in the New Testament. That's something you want to jump in with us. Just let me know. I'd love to add you to that group. Uh, what else? What are some other New Year's resolutions out there? Running a marathon. That's good. Like a half marathon or a full marathon? Okay. Well, I'm glad that you are doing that. Okay. I have more power to you. Okay. That's great. What else? Be organized. So are we disorganized in 2021? Okay, so be, we're going to be organized here in 2022 coming up. So uh, again, so church, again, so glad that y'all are here. So again, it's not a bad thing for us to have New Year's resolutions in the new year. Uh, however, this first Sunday has actually become somewhat of a tradition for us over the years that we typically take this first Sunday and we focus on the year ahead. And we focus on but being reminded of who we are as a church, what we have been called to do as Christians, and being reminded of the goodness that God has done for us in this new year. I think there's no better way we could spend this first Sunday of us being reminded and reorienting our hearts towards the one and what he has done for us. So yes, it's good to have New Year's resolutions because it's good for us to focus on who we want to become, things we want to change, things we, people we want to be in the year ahead. But this morning, I want us to focus first not on who we want to become, but on who Jesus is, okay? So instead of focusing on who we want to become, let us first focus on who Jesus is already, what he has already accomplished, and then who we get to be in light of that. That is our goal this morning, is for us to be reminded of that today. So, um, so what I want you to do is we're going to first open up, I want you to go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 28, and this is where we're going to start our scripture reading this morning. Hopefully you can hear me over the, the sleet falling uh, on the, on the, above us. So we're going to start out, Matthew 28, we're going to read the first several verses with me. So now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. 
His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you see Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said he would. Come and see the place where Jesus lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. So the first thing I want us to be reminded of this morning of who Jesus is, is this very simple but powerful fact, Jesus is alive today, amen? Jesus is alive. That's a very important thing that we don't want to miss. We all, we all know that, but sometimes it's hard for us to forget that because it's something we know of, right? But that familiarity can sometimes rob us of how a bananas this, this is, right? Jesus is alive. That's such a great deal. I mean, keep in mind, he was, he was tortured to death by professional murderers, okay? He was dead, very dead, super dead. He was dead in that tomb, okay, for three days. And then what happened three days later? Y'all know the answer. What is it? He rose, he rose again, right? Y'all realize that doesn't happen a lot, right? Like, he, he came back to life. He wasn't dead anymore. That is a huge, huge deal. And it has huge implications on who we get to be in light of that. So this morning, let's be excited for the fact that Jesus is what? He's alive. This is the first fact that we have. And if this fact isn't true, then nothing else in this book matters. And nothing else I have to say matters. But here's the cool thing. It is true. It's documented, actually. It's historically proven to be true. And that's what we get to focus on this morning. So I'm going to pray for us as we continue to think about the implications this has for us in 2022. And we'll continue to learn together. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this year. Thank you for the new opportunities and, and, and possibilities that a new year has for us as we look ahead. So God, this morning, as we think about all the things that we want to accomplish, God, first help us remember of what you have already accomplished on the cross. And God, remind us of that, yes, there are things we want to change about ourselves. There are people we want to become, God. But help us remember that our ultimate identity is in the fact that we are purchased by the blood of the Lamb for those of us who are Christians. So God, remind us of our identity in you. And God, for those of us who, who maybe don't know what that looks like, or maybe those of us who, who aren't yet in the household of faith, God, I pray that you soften their hearts this morning and you allow them to evaluate, truly evaluate, whether or not they are Christians, God. And let 2022 be the year that they get to write in their Bibles, I became a follower of Jesus. We love you, God. We trust you. You are mighty to save. We pray this in your name. Amen. So Jesus is alive, and this is an exciting, exciting prospect, but we need to make sure that we're always asking ourselves when we think of theological truths like this, what does this mean for me in my everyday life? Well, for starters, the fact that Jesus is alive immediately separates Christianity from the rest of the world religions, right? Because if you look at all of the other world religions, where are you going to find their leaders? In a grave somewhere. What did because Mary's, the Marys, I guess I'll call them Mary Square, whatever you want to call them, Mary and Mary, they went to go find him in a grave. But what did they find? They found an empty tomb. Any other world religion cannot say that. That is one thing that we know is immediately true. So we worship a Savior that isn't just figuratively some idea floating out here in the, in the ether. He's a person who's alive right now. And that's a huge deal. It's a big deal. And so that begs the question of, what is Jesus doing right now? If he's a person and he's alive, what is he doing 
right now. So many saw him ascend into heaven at the beginning of Acts. So, so does that mean he's just chilling up in, the, up in the clouds somewhere with angels and amongst the trinity? Is that, is that all he's doing, is just kind of biding his time? Well, good news is later on in Acts, we see another glimpse of Jesus in heaven. Here's what it said. But Stephen, Stephen being the first martyr who was about to be stoned to death for his, uh, for his faith, says, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of the God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Jesus isn't just floating around in heaven, hanging with the angels. He's working right now. He's at a place. And where specifically does this passage tell us that Jesus is? Answers on the board. What does it say? He's at the right hand of God. So for those of us who aren't, don't live in a kingdom, right? We don't have a king here in America. So sometimes this is hard for us to grasp because all of our officials are elected and that kind of stuff. But for people who were in a kingship, who lived in a royal kingship, this would have a little bit more weight of understanding of what this means. Because what this means is that the person that is standing at the right hand of the king shares in their authority, strength, and power of the king. And we know this to be true. Jesus, as part of the triune Godhead, shares in the authority, power, and strength of the Father God. And so we know that to be true. So when Stephen was looking up into the heavens, he was seeing a glimpse of the powerful trinity, of the relationship that they have um, together. So what this means is that we see in Scripture that Jesus is reigning right now. So if we ask the question, what is Jesus doing right now? He's reigning. And the good news this has for us is that Jesus is in control of his kingdom. In other words, he's got this, okay? He's got this, y'all. He knows what he's doing. He's not surprised or bewildered by anything going on in our lives or what we see around us. When, when something happens, Jesus, the Father, the Trinity, they've never said, huh, that's never happened. That's never surprised them. So, so here's some good news right off the bat for y'all as we go into 2022. We can walk out of a crazy 2021, whatever that looked like for you, and head into this blank slate 2022 with the confidence that Jesus is in control and he knows what he's doing and he's good at it. That is confidence we can have this morning. So not only is he perfectly in control, we also see in Romans 8 that he's controlling things in such a way that is for our good and for his glory. So I don't know about y'all, but I am glad that Jesus is in control. More specifically, I'm glad that I don't have to white-knuckle my life together to make me just feel like I'm in control. Is anyone with me on that? No matter how hard you grab that steering wheel to stay in control, it's all just an illusion. You're not in control. You can't control the thing around, the people around you, the events around you. You can't do it. I know I, try, I do a terrible job when I try to take control. I'm glad that Jesus is in control. Because here's what we know. He knows what he's doing. He's a good king. He is for our good and his glory. And we can trust him and we can rest in that fact. So here's what I want us to do right now. Everyone, breathe in. Breathe out. Does that feel good? Let's do it again. Breathe in. Jesus is in control. He's got this. We can trust him. We can rest in him. So again, 
we must ask the question, what does this mean for me in my everyday life? What does that mean that Jesus is reigning for me on Monday, Tuesday? So working this out practically, this week, do you think maybe at school or work or wherever you are, there's going to be a time that comes up where you feel overwhelmed or you feel stressed or you feel something along those lines? This week, when that happens, okay, this week, like the next seven days, when that happens, I don't want you to freak out, okay? I know that's easy to say, hard to do, but I want you to recognize that as an invitation from the Lord that it is. I want you to recognize that when you feel out of control, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel stressed over the next week, I want you to feel that as an invitation from the Lord to simply stop, even for a moment, and say, thank you for being in control, Lord. I believe that you love me. Help me to trust you right now. Okay? So, we're going to practice this, because I expect you all to do this this week. It's not me just talking up here. I expect you all to do some of this stuff, okay? So, repeat after me, okay? We're going to practice. Lord, thank you for being in control. I believe that you love me. Help me to trust you right now. Okay, that started shaky. We're going to do it again. Here we go. Thank you for being in control, Lord. I believe that you love me. Help me to trust you right now. Y'all feel good about that? I feel good about that. Okay, so we're going to, so that this week, when you, when you inevitably feel out of control, stop and say those words to your Lord who loves you. And guess what? He's alive and listening to those words. Be comforted by that Christian. So, Let's keep drilling down on this idea. So what else does it mean that Jesus is reigning? And why is that a good thing? So we're going to keep reading. We're going to get those limber fingers. And I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 8 with me. We're going to pick up in verse 31. So while you're turning there, let me remind you that we just referenced Romans 8, 28, right? So God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And this is where we pick up right after those words here in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will, we, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's, God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm going to stop there. So what good news we have. Not only has God graciously through the scriptures shown us where Jesus physically is right now, but he also shows us what he is doing. So what does this passage say that Jesus is doing at the right hand of God? He's praying for us. The word it uses is interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for you, Christian, right now. That's what he's doing at the right hand of the Father. So, so Pastor Scott actually uses an illustration kind of like this. So a loose illustration. So imagine Jesus sitting at the right hand of God at the throne. And, and imagine that someone is, is shouting charges against you, all of your sin just being thrown out in the throne room of God. But instead of bringing down the hammer, 
Jesus simply says, I paid that debt. It is finished. So the accuser says, Blake is a liar, which is true. Jesus replies, I paid that debt. It is finished. Blake is a thief. I paid that debt. It is finished. Blake continues to fall short, not measure up. I paid that debt. It is finished. Wow, what good news is that, that we have an advocate in heaven who is proclaiming the work that he has already done for us. And for those of us who have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, we have an advocate who is constantly proclaiming this for us, interceding on our behalf. Christian, be comforted by these words. Now you might say, surely this is enough, but this is where, where Billy Mays would say, but wait, there's more. Because there is more good news on top of this. There's more good news piled on good news. So now we're going to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I told you to limber up those fingers. Now, for those of you who didn't do it, you're, you're kicking yourself now. So while you're turning, let me, let me remind you of, of what we covered so far. So Jesus is alive. Jesus is reigning right now. And Jesus is interceding for all Christians. So what else is he doing? This is where we pick up in 2 Corinthians 3. We're going to read verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So Jesus is alive. Jesus is reigning. Jesus is interceding for all Christians. And here we read that he is transforming us. Or, if, for those of us who have been in church for a while, we might hear it put this way, Jesus is sanctifying you. So how else could we describe this process of sanctification? Well, right here, it, it, it phrases it this way, that we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the other. So Jesus is leading us to be his disciples. So put more simply, here at Refuge, this is actually how we define what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is someone who, through the power of the Holy Spirit, chooses to increasingly submit all parts of their life to following Jesus. This work that Jesus is doing in our lives, by sanctifying us, he is transforming us from one degree of glory to the other, or in other words, to follow him more closely in all parts of our lives. Here's the part of this definition of a disciple that we have here at Refuge that, that most closely points to what we're talking about this morning, chooses to increasingly submit all parts of their life. To following Jesus. The word increasingly is the linchpin of this discussion this morning. Because as followers of Jesus, we get to give him our whole lives. Not just an hour or two on Sunday, he gets all of our hours. Okay? Jesus paid for your sin debt with his own blood. And he freed us from bondage and restored our fractured relationship with the Father. So we now get to live freely, and that's amazing. So yes, we gather with other Christians on Sundays, but we also get to honor him with how we parent our kids every day, with, with how we spend and give away our money, with how we spend our free time relaxing or serving others. Both are good things. We get to follow Jesus by how we become the best employees at work or the best students at school or the most hospitable neighbors on the street. We don't just follow Jesus on Sundays at a church building, but we also 
follow him on Mondays at school or work. We follow him on Thursdays at the Mexican restaurant when we go eat with our family and friends. We follow Jesus on Saturdays at the Little League fields. Jesus gets all of our lives. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? Jesus doesn't just get part of your life. Jesus gets all of our lives. And rather, your whole life, every part, should be oriented to following Christ, to glorifying the risen Savior. So, and this isn't a burden. If you hear these things and it sounds like a burden, it's not. Because we, remember, you were a slave to sin and you've been set free. As a freed slave, do you run back to bondage? Of course not. You get to live as a free slave, and now you get to praise the one who set you free. That's what we get to do. This is what it means to be sanctified, to be transformed in your faith. And this is where I have a strong warning for us this morning, especially as we look forward to 2022. So Pastor Scott talks about this a lot. You've heard us talk about it. Golden ticket theology. You've heard us talk about this. And I would be remiss if I didn't give you a strong warning this morning as you're thinking about who you want to become in 2022. Unfortunately, many people in the church are unable to honestly say that their life is increasingly being transformed by one degree of glory to the other. If you've been here for any amount of time, you've probably heard us talk about this. You've heard us talk about this because it's actually one of the greatest fears we elders of your church have for you, the Refuge Church. This is one of our greatest fears. So please, please listen to these words. Please listen to what I'm saying. Many people, many people in the American church today, they were taught to say a special prayer when they were a kid so they can go to the good place when they die. That's, that's what being a Christian means in, in that context, which is incorrect, by the way. As if when you get to the gates of heaven after your death and God asks, why should I let you into my heaven? You just whip out your golden ticket and say, here it is. You have to let me in. I said that prayer when I was 10, and so now you have to let me in, God. I have my golden ticket. So y'all might think that this is a silly idea. Of course, this sounds ridiculous when I put it that way. But many, many, many people in the American church today, and I would assume many people that are sitting in this room right now, operate this way. And I don't say this to, to bring a hammer down on you. I, bring, I say this to you because I love you. And I want you to know what it really means to be a Christian. And I want 2022 to be the year that you finally start following Jesus and stop playing a game. I know this might sound harsh, but please continue to listen to what I'm saying. You might say, oh yeah, I said that prayer when I was a kid, so I know I'm saved. Or maybe what you'll say is, I grew up in church, so I know I'm good. Or maybe you'll say, I go to church every Sunday. Or maybe it sounds like, I do more good than bad, so I'm sure God will let me in at the end of the day. Which, Scripture has a lot to say about that, by the way, which we can get into another time. But whatever it is you might say, somehow you earned your golden ticket that you're expecting to force God to let you into the good place. But when you look at your life honestly, it doesn't look any different than the world around you. The fruits of the Spirit or, or the, the evidences of the Spirit indwelling like he does with all Christians that we read about in Galatians are not part of your everyday character. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So I, I beg you, church, and, and please, please don't tune me out. Can you honestly say that you are increasingly submitting all parts, every part of your life 
to following Jesus? Or are you just coasting through life, stagnant in your faith, hoping that a special prayer you said when you were younger is going to be the ticket you need to get into heaven? So, this is very heavy on my heart, church. So I'm going to, I'm going to put this as plainly as I can possibly put it, okay? So please listen to this. If you would not be described as loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled, you might not be a Christian, even though you think you are. If the only part of your life that has anything to do with Jesus is this two-hour span on Sunday mornings, you might not be a Christian. And you think you are. And you're in for a rude surprise when you die. I don't know how to put it more plainly than that. And again, I don't say that to chastise you. I say that because I love you. And I want today to be the day you finally start to see what Jesus has for you. Now, of course, this side of eternity, no one does these things perfectly. We are still sinful people, even after salvation. But if your life doesn't look like those things, the majority of the time are striving to be those things, you might not be a Christian. And again, it's not a checklist thing to accomplish. Those things are evidence of a change that the Lord has already done in your heart. So we don't work to salvation. Those things are evidence of salvation. So please, Refuge family, please look at your life and give yourself an honest answer as we go into this year. Are you truly following Jesus or are you just playing church? Evaluate this, please. However, here's a very important part that I want you to keep in mind. No matter what side of this question your answer falls on, there's good news available to you. So as you evaluate this in your heart, either one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to confirm that you truly are a Christian, you can thank the Lord for what he has done in your heart, or maybe today can be the day that you finally take off the blindfold that this world, your flesh, or the enemy has put over your eyes, and you can finally become a Christian today, this year. What if 2022 is the year that you finally stopped just playing church and finally actually started following Jesus? What if 2022 is that year? I pray that it is for some of you, many of you, whoever it is that needs to hear this. So please stop white-knuckling a moralistic veneer of a life and find the truly freeing life abundant that Jesus promised us. And if you're not sure of the answer, if, you're, if you evaluate your life and you honestly can't find the answer to that question, please come talk to me or one of our other pastors. That is how we get to serve you. It would be our joy to talk to you about this. Again, you're not going to find us pointing fingers and saying, how dare you? You're going to find someone who wants to wrap their arms around you and show you the good news that we have been shown. I simply want you to see that I have been saved and that you get to have the same thing that Jesus has done for me. It's not about what I've done. It's about what he's done for me. I want you to see that too. So don't just trust a prayer that you said when you were nine. Truly confess and truly believe. Then you won't be able to help yourself from following the one who set you free from the silly games you've been playing. Maybe even for decades. So again, we got to make this practical, right? This has to actually get to be able to do something about this, right? So if you, if you feel like that maybe you have just been playing church for a while, again, I don't want you to feel 
feel like you're finding con- condemnation right now. I want you to feel like that there is a way out. Because maybe what is maybe a prayer that you need to say right now sounds something like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that the debt of this sin will separate me from you forever. There is no way for me to pay for this sin debt on my own. I believe that you, God, sent your son to die on the cross, taking my sin debt on his shoulders. And I believe that my sin was paid for by Jesus' death on that cross. I believe that you raised him back to life on the third day, thereby conquering death itself. Lord, thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Lord, forgive me for trying to only look like a Christian without actually following you. Take hold of my heart, Lord, and help me follow you in all parts of my life. Some of you, I pray that you say a prayer like that this morning, whether you're here in person, whether you're watching online. Some of you need to pray that prayer. Again, not to find shame, but to find freedom. And it would be my joy to help you pray that prayer today. Again, what if 2022 is the year you finally become a Christian for real? It's going to be a good thing, not a bad thing. So this leads us to our last passage this morning. So open up to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be in verses one, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves are like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So as Christians, we are these living stones that we read about in 1 Peter. So to continue to, to answer our question, what is Jesus doing right now? 1 Peter says this, Jesus is building his church. With every sinner that confesses and believes, another living stone is added to the spiritual house. That's a, that's a really cool thing. Now, just to serve as yet another reminder, who is doing the building? Who? Jesus, that's right. So it doesn't, it doesn't say that you are living stones stacking yourself into a spiritual house. It says that you are being built up as living stones into a spiritual house. So again, the person who's doing the building is Jesus himself. Jesus is at work right now building his church. Jesus is at work right now saving people all over the world, even today, hopefully in here this morning. So how specifically is he building his church? By choosing to rescue you out of your sin, Christian, he made you into one of these living stones. But this is where our our point is further reinforced, which is really cool. Because once Jesus saves you and makes you part of this spiritual house, does he carefully put you into that house and then do this? And then leave? No. What, what, what What do we know? What have we already covered this morning? What is Jesus continually doing? He's sanctifying you as well. So not only does he save us from our sin, he continues to transform us into, uh, from, glory, uh, from one glory to the other, as it says uh, in, uh, that we've already covered. So Jesus is actively, ongoingly, and currently transforming you if you are a Christian. 
So Jesus not only builds his church through adding saved souls to it every single hour, but he also strengthens his church through sanctifying his disciples, transforming them from one degree of glory to the other. So again, church, I urge you, be transformed. Truly be transformed. Don't just sit back with your golden ticket and sit a stagnant life until you die. Because that doesn't work. If you're banking on that working, it's not working. It's not going to work. This Christian life is about following Jesus and increasingly being transformed into his likeness so that his church can continue to be built and strengthened and sent out into this broken world as the good news blessing that it is. That is our purpose as the church in every year, including 2022. So as, so to close, let me remind us of who Jesus is and always has been, and will continue to be. Jesus is alive right now. The God we worship isn't in a grave rotting somewhere. He lives and is at work this very moment. Jesus is reigning. He is at the right hand of the Father, sharing an authority and power of the Godhead. And he is in control, and he is for your good and for his glory. Jesus is interceding for Christians proclaiming that his work on the cross that paid for our sin debt is sufficient and finished. Jesus is sanctifying Christians, transforming them from one degree of glory to the other, leading his disciples to increasingly submit all parts of their lives to following him, leading them to the abundant life that he promised us. And Jesus is building his church. And spoiler alert, He's really good at it. He knows what he's doing. He is constantly saving people left and right, adding these living stones to the spiritual house and through his church, blessing the world, giving the world that is steeped in darkness a glimpse of the heaven on earth to come. So Refuge family, as you're contemplating what your new resolution to pursue should be, and there aren't bad things to have New Year's resolutions. Please don't forget, you don't need New Year's resolutions to be made new. Jesus is already doing that. Trust him to finish the work that he started, because he will. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for the reminders in the Holy Scripture that you have given us of the work that you have done and completed on the cross, restoring our relationship back to you. God, thank you for the promise and showing us of the work that you are doing right now, sanctifying those of us who you call your own. God, thank you for the work that you are doing in softening the hearts of people who are not yet Christians, knowing that their day of salvation is to come, and I pray soon. So God, I pray that everyone in this room answers the question, am I a Christian? And for those who are, I pray that you give them the comfort and the understanding and the, of what you have already done for them. But God, for those of us who, or those people in this room who maybe thought they were Christians and then they evaluate their lives, they start to think, huh, maybe I'm not really a follower of Jesus. 
God, I pray that you don't allow it to stop there. I pray that you allow them to talk to someone. Maybe a pastor here, maybe a trusted friend who's a Christian, God. But I pray that 2022 is the year that they finally become a Christian. And they stop just playing silly church games they've been playing their whole life. God, you love everyone in this room enough to die for them because that's exactly what you did. So God, remind us of your beauty. Remind us of your glory. Remind us of your graciousness for us. And God, allow some to come to faith today. We love you. We pray this in the only name in this world that holds power, Jesus Christ. Amen.